Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. You know, the word indescribable is a word that happened just a few weeks ago. How many of you had the opportunity to come to the movement conference? Were there anybody? Yeah, a lot of us were. It was so powerful. We had such great speakers, such great worship, but there was something that happened the last night, okay, of the conference that was somewhat indescribable. And if you were here, you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to try to tell the rest of us what it was, but it's not going to be able to fully be comprehended. Well, first of all, it starts off that we had a drum cage all the way up in the rafters, all right? So Ryan Prim was up there in the rafters doing his drumming, all right? That's the first thing that was a tad bit indescribable, all right? So then at the end of the conference as God's moving and pressing in, man, I just want you to understand, it was so powerful. Ryan felt an unction of the Holy Spirit, and he began to bang his drums hard. I mean, he would hit the cymbals. He was hitting the bass. I mean, it was as loud as you could absolutely imagine. Now, it was not like clanging cymbals like the Bible says. There was something melodious about it. There was something with anointing on it. It was something special that took over. I, I later talked to him about it, and he, and he spoke to, he said, I, he, I spoke into my Mike, the inner ears for everybody, he says, I am not stopping. And he did not stop. 30 minutes, uh, 20, 30 minutes. I'm not trying to pastor or exaggerate. It was amazing. I've never heard anything like that in my entire life. Lisa and I, we have been literally in thousands of ther- thousands and thousands of the services in our lives. And we were sitting there going, what is this? This is so good. People's lives were changed. People got saved that night. People got healed that night. People were encouraged that night. People were inspired that night. We were challenged that night as the Lord came into the room in a way that we'd never experienced him before. It was literally indescribable. As we continue this series that Pastor Dustin started last week entitled God with us. Emmanuel means God with us. I'm reminded of the Jesus culture song that we've sung before, the song Miracles. You know, we could sing it, but I'll, I'll leave it to somebody else to do that. But there's a, a verse, a small little phrase in there that touched me this week. It says, his life is flowing through my veins. Okay. Let's just take a step back. God, Jesus, okay, the Holy Spirit, his life is flowing through my veins. We just sang this song, My Rest. And Lindsay penned the the little phrase, the the bridge or whatever you call it, is the, the breathe out, breathe in. You remind me to breathe out, breathe in. And I was looking, most of us are going, Okay, God reminds us to breathe out, breathe in. There's a few people are like really pressing into that, you know. And most of us are kind of like this. And I began to think this week about that phrase, breathe out, breathe in. What we're actually doing in faith, 
We're, bre- we're, un- we're aware of the presence of God. And we're saying with expectation, we're breathing out and we're breathing in. And we could do it right now. And many of us could stop with expectations in our heart. And we could, I sense the presence of the Lord right now. And we could sense his presence. Now, people, that's indescribable. You can't explain that. It's just literally indescribable. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, Paul is thanking the church in Corinth for a bountiful offering that they gave him. And he's wanting them to know how much he appreciates them. And he's thankful and grateful. And then he's reminded about Jesus. And although you've given me this gift, this is what he says. He says, but thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Today I want to talk to you about how to describe the indescribable. Describing the indescribable. I think about at Christmas time and when we think about the baby Jesus in Bethlehem and the manger, swaddling clothes and all that, it's important for us to understand that he was a gift to us. He was an indescribable gift to us. Really, there really are no words for us to be able to adequately enough to, 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 to be able to speak that would really be able to help us describe who he really is. The theologian George W. Brown said this, no pen or tongue or artist brush can ever fully describe the dimension of God's amazing gift to us in Jesus. He is that gift that outstrips all estimates and defies artistic description. Poets cannot express him. Theologians cannot explain him. Orators cannot portray him. The gift is too marvelous to be adequately described and too priceless to be assessed. So good. So good. Trying to describe the indescribable. Well, that great theologian that we know, Ricky Bobby in Talagata Nights. He described him in his prayer and he said, Dear, eight pound, six ounce, newborn infant, baby Jesus. And that's how he described his favorite Jesus, the baby Jesus. Now, let me just say this. I've never seen the movie, never would endorse that movie. Okay? Never. Pastor Dustin told me all about it though. All right? You can send him the emails and he will appreciate you and me for that. I think about Paul writing this, and when he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, you know, Paul never did anything unintentionally. He was very intentional in what he said and what he wrote, and I just could imagine that Paul's like thanking them for the gift, the offering, but he's thinking about what Jesus has done in his life, and he's thinking about what Jesus has done in the church's life. And he's like, this is not about coins and paper. This is not about money, although I'm grateful for that. I just sensed that there was a time where he was thinking about Jesus. And all he could do is fall on his knees and worship and say, let's thank 
God for his indescribable gift in Jesus Christ. Now, although we know that we can't adequately describe Jesus, we sure can give it a whirl, can't we? Let's give it a try, all right? Let's do our very best. It'll be fun to be able to brag on Jesus and how great he is and how good he is. If there's one thing the Lord told me this week is, I was preparing and praying. He said, tell my people who I am. Tell my people of my goodness. Tell my people of how great my son is. Tell my people to be reminded of who I am. And so today, I'm here to remind you. I'm at Wiley, I'm here to remind you of the goodness and the grace that we have in Christ Jesus. Aren't we glad that we're saved? Aren't we glad that he wiped our sin as far as the east is from the west? Aren't we glad that he remembers our sin no more? Aren't we glad that he delivered us from darkness? He broke addictions off of us. He's healed our hearts. He's healed our bodies. That is our Jesus. And he's worth, he's worth celebrating and he's worth exploring. So let's do a little exploration, all right? What we see in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, when Jesus came to this earth, God pinned in Isaiah and he said, this is what you'll call him. And we know that back in the day, whatever you called someone is what they were, all right? And so he said this. He said, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So let's take a look at these attributes that God has literally used to describe Jesus. First of all, he's our wonderful counselor. He's our wonderful counselor. So many of us go to counseling. So many of us need to go to counseling. When you're receiving counsel for someone, you're looking for some type of advice. You're looking for some type of direction. It could be that you're dealing with the relationship that you're needing counsel about, how to deal with it. It might be that you're confused in some certain situations or in your mind, and you need somebody to counsel with you about that. It could be that you're struggling with fear, and you need some counsel. It could be that you're just stuck, and you're like, why am I stuck? I'm discouraged or depressed, or I might have some behavioral issues, maybe some past hurts and pains, some woundedness. I want you to understand all those things Jesus is a master at. He's not just a counselor. He's the wonderful counselor. And so all the things that we might go to a counselor for, Jesus is our counselor. I'm not saying don't go to counseling. I'm saying make sure that the, the one who's counseling you has been counseled by him and, and they're giving you counsel of him and so he's, they're imparting him to you because he's the wonderful counselor. John chapter 14 verse 16, Jesus said, and I will ask the Father. He says, and he'll give you another comforter. And then the Amplified Version explains what that word comforter means. It says he'll give you another comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor. This is our God. He's the advocate, the strengthener, the one who stands by us that he may remain with you forever. He is our counselor. He gives us direction. He gives us understanding. He leads us. When we bought this property 
obviously way before this building. When we bought this property well over 10 years ago, we had a heart to reach the next generation. And when we got here, we looked over there and we're like, look at that school, one of the largest high schools in America, in the world. And God has planted us here to reach the young people. We brought maybe 200, 250 people from a different city. We only had one family from Allen at the time. We came in faith. We put all our pennies together. We sold wedding rings. We sold hunting rifles. We sold all kind of things, uh, IRAs to get here. And we finally got here and we looked over there and we're, here we are. We're ready to reach the next generation like we never had before in their families. And for two whole years, we did not have a youth pastor. Do you know why we didn't have a youth pastor? It wasn't because we didn't have the money. It wasn't because there was no, not any good qualified candidates. It was because the Lord whispered the wonderful counselor that he might be at times. Whispered in my ear and Lisa's ear. Don't. I have one saved. Six months. A year. We see people with young families looking at us saying, we're going to go to another church because we really don't, we don't even have a youth pastor. You said we're, I'm like, I understand that. All I can say is the Lord said, wait. The counselor said, wait. I didn't like it. I didn't feel good. I was not comfortable. I was struggling. And of course, maybe a year into that, we, we met with Dustin. He came here and of course, Alma and did him. Some youth thing that we had, and all my leadership's coming up to me. Oh, he's the one. Someone like that. I'm like, yeah, I, I got. Do you know he lives in Washington? Oh, no. Did you know he works for his dad, who's a pastor? No. I'm like, well, I do. <laughs> Over a period of time of praying, we continued to hear one of the things that the Lord spoke to Lisa and to me about. And said, he's the one. How do you call somebody that lives in Washington, brand new in their marriage, works for his dad that he's been there all his life, and say, hey, um, you're the one. <laughs> but I did. And I said, I don't know how to explain it other than I just, I'm not trying to for push anything on you. I'm not... All I'm telling you is the Lord has said, don't look for anyone else. And so we're not looking for anyone else. He says, I have to pray about that. I'm like, I know. I'm good with that. I'm going to have to talk to my dad. I know. Here's his, my number. He can call me. You know? And through a process, he, you know, he finally said, well, there's no way. You know, I, I've committed through the whole year. I said, okay, take the year. Take the year and get back with me. Through all that, God who was the wonderful counselor, who led, guided, and directed us, him, the church, and he came. And he and Jamie came, and they were here for six and a half years uh, with our youth ministry. Took us from 25 young people to like 350 or 402 services in one night. It was just awesome. We've worked together ever since. Four and a half years ago, the Lord saw fit to have Dustin and Jamie take the lead of the church. And we see what God's done since then. Lisa and I have had the opportunity in our family to plant Wiley. 
We've seen what God's done here in Allen. And it's been absolutely amazing. Could you imagine if we weren't listening to the wonderful counselor? Could you imagine what we would have missed out on? Now, it would look totally different. There'd be so many less people wearing skinny jeans and weird shoes. There'd be way more people wearing socks. You know? Wranglers. I mean, it's Texas, man. Come on. That's it. Warren, hello. You know, we might have some earth tones on the walls or maybe even some decorations, you know. But... I love you, Dustin. You know I do. And I know you're watching. But our lives have been changed. The direction of our lives have been changed. The wonderful counselor. He's the wonderful counselor. When you go to a counselor, just on a practical level, what do you have to do? You have to acknowledge your need, right? I have a need. I need some wisdom. I need some direction. I need some help. I'm struggling with this. And then what do you do? You have to meet with the counselor on a regular basis. So we do that with the Lord. We meet with him on a regular basis. This is who I am. This is what I'm struggling with. Then we open up. God, hear what's really going on with me. I'm really opening up to you, wonderful counselor. And then we embrace the truth that the wonderful counselor gives us. And then we walk it out. We walk it out. So, Wonderful counselor, second way that he describes, that he describes Jesus is the mighty God. You think about God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, but when we look how God penned that account in the book of Genesis, we see that not only did he create the heaven and earth, it says we created and us. He's talking about the Trinity. So even before we were, even before there was an earth, even before there were the heavens and the earth, there was God and there was Jesus. And Jesus was a mighty God and he is a mighty God. And we think about the mighty God. He parted the Red Seas. We know things that he's healed the sick. He raised the dead. I mean, he, he got leprosy and just cleansed the leper. I mean, he did all kind of walked on water. He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. I don't know, back in the day, 30, 30, 35 years ago, when, man, we just began to start singing praise and worship songs, there was this particular song, is What a Mighty God We Serve. Does anybody know that song, all right? What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him, heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords his name is jesus 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 oh he is a king he's a mighty god we need to sing about a mighty god we need to pray about a mighty god we need to declare he's a mighty god he's the one who's healed you he's the one who's delivered you he is the one who cleansed you from all your sin he is the one who is the major breakthrough in your life he's the one who's going to be the breakthrough in your life he is a mighty god and we've got to understand Lord, you are a mighty God. We need to connect with him. We need to declare it. Lord, you are a mighty God in my life. You're a mighty God in my relationship. You're a mighty God in my mind that's tormented. You're a mighty God in my addiction. You're a mighty God in my marriage. He is a 
mighty God. We see in the Old Testament, Psalm chapter 95, it says, For the Lord is a mighty God, a mighty king over all the gods. He rules over the whole earth from the deepest caves to the highest hills. That's everywhere. He rules over the sea, which he made, the land also, which he himself formed. And I love this. Because he's such a mighty God. Come. Come on. Come on. He says, come. Let us bow down and worship him. You're such a mighty God. Therefore, Lord, we bow before you. We worship you. You are a mighty God. Can we just right now in your heart just declare he's a mighty God? There's nothing too difficult for him. Lord, there's nothing too difficult for you. You know what we're going through. You know what our minds are, are saying. You know our situation, our circumstances. And we just declare in Jesus' name, you're a mighty God in my life. And I worship you. I bow down before you. He is our God. We are his people he cares for. The flock which he provides for. I remember a number of years ago, there was a young father that I connected with. And he began to confess to me that he... He was really, really struggling. Although he had a heart for God, he was literally infested with lust. He was infested with sexual immorality, and he hated it. There was an addiction on him that was like none other to him. And he was beating himself up, and he was battering himself up, and he was hurting and struggling, and he so wanted to be free. And I remember... There's something powerful about just confessing, just getting it out in the air and opening up. And he confessed that. And I remember there was a particular night, where was a particular night where we saw the hand of the mighty God reach down and touch him. And that evening, he was delivered. The enemy's back was broken was destroyed. The power of the enemy, I'm telling you, fled. And we saw that young father get totally, radically set free. And over the years, we've seen the privilege of seeing his marriage restored. And we've seen how he's imparted to his children life. And, and he's leaving legacy now here in the church and his family. And it's because we have a mighty God. Just a few years ago, for a number of months, probably about six months, my back was, it just was horrible. And I just was struggling. It was, it was a terrible, terrible thing. And to the point to where I'd preach and I'd preach, you know, three and four services, but it would, I'd have to sit on the stool to preach. Some of you might even remember it. You prayed for me. You came and laid hands on me. You doused me with oil and anything else, holy water, whatever it took. You put crucifixes over my head, okay? But I still was in pain. You gave me words that, you know, I'm carrying, you know, the whole weight of the church. I need to let it go. And I tried my best to let it go. Get off my back, church, you know, and it didn't work. And I was struggling. 
Struggling, struggling. The worst part, if you have a lower back problem, the worst part of every day is the first step out of the bed. It's like, whoa, it's just an excruciating pain. And every day, that's what I dealt with. Because, you know, the medicine from the night before had worn off and you're, and you step and it's just painful. And through this, God taught me something. He gave me empathy for people who are in chronic pain and also faith for them that, uh, that God can heal them. And, and I remember one morning, you know, like regular, I got out of the bed and I was just bracing myself and, and, it, and it's like, it didn't fall, didn't hurt, didn't, what, what's going on? So then I got the nerve to go another step and, I, and I'm like, what is going on? Then I kind of go like this and Lisa is like looking at me and sits up and says, what are you doing? And I said, honey. I, I, I believe that God healed my back. It's what I believe. And she sat up and, and I'm like, she goes, really? Really? Praise the Lord. Praise God. She's sick of me being okay. I promise you. All right. And, and she got up and God healed me. He healed my back. He took the pain away from my back. Just like that. That is a mighty God. That is a God that is ready to meet us. I don't know why he didn't do it six months prior, but I'm just grateful he did it then. You know, my ways aren't his ways. His ways aren't my ways. I just wonder, do you right now, you need a powerful breakthrough. I just wonder, do you need a mighty God literally ambushing you? Do you need a mighty God falling upon you and your relationship, your marriage, your back, your doctor's report, whatever it might mean? Do you need breakthrough? Let me just say this. We have a mighty God. And he's ready to meet you at your point of need. Thirdly, everlasting father. He described him to being an everlasting father. A father that loves unconditionally. A father that forgives no matter what. A father that is always encouraging. A father that chastises us and disciplines us in love. A father that loves us and is proud of us and will always be there for us. I often tell you that there's not one minute of the day that I've ever doubted my heavenly Father's love for me. And I've told you the reason that probably is because there's not one minute of one day that I've ever doubted my earthly Father's love for me. And I know most of us in this world have not had that type of upbringing. And, I'm, and that's okay because we have a Father to the fatherless is what the Scripture says. And I, but there was a time just a, few, a couple of years ago, that I personally was struggling. And there were some things that were going in my mind. I know it must have been the enemy. And uh, I felt like there for a little time that my dad was not proud of me. And I had never felt that before. And for a few weeks, I was carrying that. And I told Lisa about it. And she's like, oh, I don't believe that. I don't. I'm like, well, I do. And I was really struggling. And I was praying about it. And then uh, my mom had to go in the hospital. We rushed, her, rushed to the hospital. My dad was going to stay the night. And, and I said, Dad, let me go home, get your pajamas or whatever it is that you need. And, and so I went to his house. And I haven't opened up his closet in, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Do you ever go in your dad's closet? Well, don't, okay? And so not supposed to, all right? So, so but I did. I, and I opened up the door to his closet, and the very first thing that I saw was a 39-year-old ball cap with my name and my football number on it. And the Lord said, 
your dad's proud of you and so am I. I want you to understand this. In the heavenlies, God has a ball cap with your name and number on it. And he has saved it over the years and he's never going to get rid of it because he loves you. He's proud of you. He's a father to the fatherless. He's the one who puts lonely in family is what the scripture says. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I won't leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. John chapter 1 verse 12 it says, But to all who believe in him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. Your God is not unhappy with you. Your God is not angry with you. Your heavenly father is not mad at you. Your heavenly father is not disappointed in you. He's not upset with you. He's not freaking out about where you've gone and what you've been doing. He loves you and is proud of you. He's an everlasting, eternal father. And we thank you, Lord, for it. For anyone here today that you might say that I'm stepped away from the Lord I'm not as close to him as I used to be. I feel like in some ways I'm a prodigal. I'm a, I'm a lost son. I'm a lost daughter. I want you to understand the scripture says in Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord appeared from afar. I love that. The Lord appeared from afar. In other words, he was not connected. He was not close to the Lord. He was not close to his father. The Lord appeared to him from afar. And he said, even when there was separation, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I've drawn you to myself. I want you to understand, prodigal, young man, young woman, woman, man. I want you to understand if you're far from him, he loves you. He's reaching out to you. It's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not beating and chastising us and making us feel bad. It's him ambushing us with the love of the Father and he loves you. Lastly, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of Peace himself, I love this, give you peace, when? At all times. And, and in which way? Every way. There should not be an area of our life that we should not be walking in peace in. There, not, there should not be a time in our life that we should not be walking in peace. I remember as a young pastor, there was a couple in our church that was very well off. They had every material possession you could imagine. This lady had, you know, thousands of dollars worth of outfits each time, fur coats. I mean, they lived in Turtle Creek and they had, you know, two multi-million dollar apartments, full, you know, two whole floors that they finished out and they owned. And it just had about everything you could imagine, except come to find out she didn't have peace. And one day she killed herself. And as the funeral, doing the funeral, in my mind, I'm having to explain, how can you have all this and you got no peace? Then I started thinking about this week about a young lady, a young mother who came to us and who was struggling and had no peace in her life. Been going to psychologists, counselors, psychiatrists, on drugs, being admitted to mental health hospitals doing her very best to try to figure out had a heart for God, loved God, but had no peace. She literally looked at me and said, they're clawing my mind. 
spent over $100,000 trying to find peace. And we saw in one night the mighty hand of God, the Prince of Peace, touch this young mother, deliver her, break those strongholds in her life, and experience the peace of God. And I'll never forget the end of that prayer time. You could see she had peace. And she said, my father says it's done. So powerful. So powerful. You say, but how do I have peace? The Bible tells us in Isaiah 26. It says, you will keep in perfect peace. So in other words, the people who have peace are those who trust in you. And whose thoughts are fixed upon you. I remember Lisa and I, and when we were engaged, I took her out on a, my 14-foot aluminum boat and went to a big lake. And, uh, you know, I had a little boombox, probably a little James Taylor playing, something like that, setting the mood, you know, the atmosphere. Well, there was a storm that came. And uh, I'd been around boats all my life, and, and I knew I was in a small boat, but it's not all that big of a lake. But the storm, I mean, waves. So she was looking at me, and I'm like trying to get back. And in my mind, I'm like, don't let me kill my fiance. Don't let me kill my fiance. But I was putting a good face on, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I know how to take these waves. And I was taking the waves, and she's totally getting wet. You know, just something you need to know about my wife. This does not get wet. And she'll tell you that. Okay. Well, I broke the rule that day. I learned that day that if you want to have peace in the midst of storms, look at the captain. Look at the captain. Keep your eyes on the captain. Keep your eyes on the one who's in charge. And you'll have peace. Three of the most powerful words in the English language. God with us. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Indescribable how He can be running in and through our veins. How He can be running in and through our lungs, breathing in and breathing. Indescribable. But if you know my Jesus, you know His ways. And you understand. He's a good God. He's a good God. He loves us. I think about my life personally. And as a young man, I was so self-centered, full of pride, full of lust, anger, jealousy, aimless. And I think about what God has done with that young man and how he's freed me how he's filled me, and now how he has fulfilled me. I want you to understand today, our God is a good God. He's a good God. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.